things I noticed about when we came to Hope is when we had the first Sunday dinner, we didn't call it potluck. We call it pot providence. So today seemed to be, they seem must be about providence today because that's what the book of Ruth is about. So let's, let me open in prayer before we open the book up and then we'll begin. Father, we thank you for how you control everything in this universe that you've created. How you have brought salvation to those whom you set your love upon before the foundation of the earth. Father, we thank you that through your word, you communicate us to us who you are, what you do, and how you act. We ask that you bless this time together, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this is our third lesson in the book of Ruth. I hope you've come to appreciate some of the things that uh, we dug out of this uh, book. And uh, so it's still entitled Unexpected Redemptive Providence. So today, the things we want to communicate to you is Naomi's plans for getting Ruth's security and rest. And we'll see that in chapter uh, 1 through 8 verse 1 through 18. And then in chapter 4, we'll see that Boaz redeems Ruth. That's in 4 and 12. And then the Lord rewards Boaz and Ruth with a son in chapter 4, 13 through 17. And at the end of the chapter, we'll begin to see that David, through the line of Ruth, ascends the throne of Israel, and he's a type of Christ he's in the lineage of the coming Messiah. So let's review where uh, we've been and kind of get a lay of the land. So first, <coughs> excuse me, we must define a, a theological term called providence, which means that the Lord cares for his creation in every t detail, large or small. Now that's important especially his church and his children. Do you remember the examples that we talked about or, or expressed uh, about God's providence in people's lives? <laughs> the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of cloud by night, the parting of the Red Sea, the feeding of a grumbling nation with manna and meat, and then water from the rock, and then the raising of the serpent to, to stop death. Well, let's, de let's dig a little deeper into what providence is and what it means. Since Ruth is a book about the Lord's use of divine governance in all things to a preordained end. Let me repeat that. Ruth is a book about the Lord's use of divine governance of all things to preordained ends. The scope of the Lord's providence can be understood by looking at his providence in the, in the laws of nature. Uh, it is important to note that the law of nature are not rules that the Lord is bound to follow. Rather, the laws of nature are what people have perceived to be the normal principles and procedure of the universe. Because of this misunderstanding this type, this, of this true definition, the laws of nature, they deny the possibility of miracles. 
this thought started happening in the 17th and 18th century with the age of enlightenment. So they were saying, my fallen mind is a whole lot smarter than God. However, these laws are under the Lord's sovereign control since he is the creator of all things. He is the right to suspend them when he wants to work his miracles. Well, the, the first aspect of, of his providence, divine, inter, divine preservation of the universe. Divine providence is this preservation of the universe. This preservation is the triune God's ever active work through God the Son in maintaining the things he created with all the characteristics and dynamics he gave to them. God the Son ever upholds the universe by the word of his power. You find that in Hebrews 1.3. Next, divine coexistence or occurrence of all events. The second major aspect of the Lord's providence in his concurrence in and through events and all created things causing them through their properties to bring about his desired will. Examples of this is Joseph in the land of Egypt and Moses when he told him, Moses, you speak. I will give you the word to speak and I'm going to speak through you. Well, the world's population is about 8 billion people, a little short of it. The Lord has planned in every detail, every second, every minute, every hour, every day, and even the years, the length of these 8 million lives, 8 billion lives. Now, you think about that for a minute. Our minds cannot comprehend him working in 8 billion lives every day, every second, every minute. It, you cannot think about it. Well, he reminds us, who has known the mind of the Lord? And you find that in Isaiah 40, 13. And Paul repeats it in Romans 11, 34. Well, think about when Job and his friends were discussing Job's plight, why they thought he was a sinner and he had sinned and he was being punished for being a sinner. Well, as he told them, their counsel was terrible, that they were a, a sorry bunch of, of, of counselors. Well, then the Lord talks to Job, and he tells him exactly who he is. And if you'll go to Job 38 to 42, you will find out exactly what the Lord said to Job. You don't think like I do. You don't act like I do. You can't do the things that I do. So, at the end of it, Job put his hand over his mouth and he said, Behold, I'm insignificant. What can I reply to you? I lay my hand on my mouth. R.C. Sproul, in his wonderful way of explaining things, stated, and I'll try to do an imitation of it. If there's one maverick molecule in the universe... God is not sovereign over. That God is not sovereign. If God is not sovereign, he is not God. So that was very poor. So. <laughs> Have your thoughts about the Lord's providence and redemption changed? 
as your consideration of how the Lord preordains all things to his glory and creation changed? Do you view how he brings his redemptive purposes from the beginning of the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden to its conclusion at the ushering in of the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of the ages, epics differently? Just how big and powerful is your God in whom you have placed your trust? As we learned this morning, the more you know about Christ, the more you know about God. Well, the Lord declares what he has planned for those who love him in Romans 8. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have been set free from the law of sin and of death. He has, a, he has predestined us to salvation and called us to be a new creation. He is caused by his regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. He justified us. He will glorify us at the rapture of his church. So has your view of him greatly changed? Well, in chapter 1, we found, we met uh, Elimelech and his family. His wife was Noah. His sons, Milan and Chelion, were his two sons. Then we met their two wives, Orpah and Ruth. And we found out that all his three men died uh, and left the women to Moab. Remember, there was a famine in the land, and there was starvation, and the people were extremely weak. Well, in chapter 2, Naomi and her daughters-in-law decide to return to Bethlehem. On the way, Naomi urges the two Moabite women to return to their family homes. Since only external change took place in her conversion to Judaism, Orpah returned to her pagan god, Chemosh. But Ruth, showing her true faith, clung to Naomi, and they took the long, difficult journey back to Bethlehem. After arriving there, Naomi's bitterness began to surface. Because now it's just the two of them with no husbands, no protections, no means of basic support. They'd had no idea how they were going to survive. Then, Ruth, and Boaz meet. Well, Boaz is described as a man of great wealth, and he was called a man of valor. His name means in him there's strength. Well, Ruth makes the decision to do something to provide for both Naomi and hers basic welfare by using the book of the ordinance, also known as the book of covenant, to be able to go and glean in the field where barley was being harvested. She just happened to choose a, to glean a field, a plot that's owned by Boaz. Then Boaz just happened to arrive at the field and check on the harvesting and, and his workers. Well, Ruth and Boaz meet each other, and so begins Naomi's remembrance of Boaz as one of our closest relatives. Naomi remembers the instructions of Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. For using the ordinance for the kinsman redeemer, there go El, a redeemer with claimant to help provide for their futures. Well, chapter 3, 1 through 5 is where we ended last week. Naomi begins to train Ruth in the laws or ordinance of the Levite marriage and the kinsman redeemer. Naomi
Naomi prepares Ruth on how to get herself ready and go down to the threshing floor. So this is where we start this week. So let me read uh, the uh, third chapter of Ruth. And I'll begin uh, in verse 1, and I'll read through the end of the chapter. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now, now is not Boaz our kinsman, with whose maid you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you notice the place where he lies down. And you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. Then Ruth says to her, all that you say I will do. So in verse 6, so she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all her mother-in-law commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. It happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and he bent forward. Behold, a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. Then he said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear, for I will do whatever you ask of you, whatever for you you ask, for my, all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a closer relative than I. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good. If he will, let him redeem you. But if he wishes, does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. So she lay down at his feet till morning and rose before anyone could recognize her. And he said, let it, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Again he, said, again he said, give me the cloak that is on you and hold it. So she held it and he measured six measures of barley and laid it uh, on her. Then she went into the city and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did it go, my daughter? And she told her all the man had said had done for her. He said, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said, do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And then she said, this is Naomi, wait, my daughter, until you know the matter turns out, how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he has settled it today. So we began here. and So Naomi's made a plan to be able to use the law of the kinsman redeemer and the Levite law of marriage. Ruth had to follow the plan with uh, subjection and with submission. Ruth was going down to the th threshing floor to propose marriage to 
how would he react? He had to do this willingly. What would he think? Would he think that he was too old? Were his prior kindnesses misinterpreted? Or was this an attempt to gain his wealth? Well, let's start with Ruth's subjection. Ruth was practicing great faith in the Lord. She was following the scriptural commands taught to her by Naomi's understanding of the Mosaic law. She knew the outcome of their future depended on following Naomi's understanding of that law. Ruth prepares herself and goes down to the threshing floor. She does not allow herself to hurry Boaz's decision, but waits patiently by following Naomi's instructions. She waited for the correct time. Naomi taught Ruth how to read the room. One commentator said that not only did her teacher how to read the room, but he taught her how to read the groom. Ruth waited until Boaz had finished eating, and when he, after beating out the, the and wintering the grain, finished eating and drinking, and went to a grain pile to protect the grain and rest for the night. And the scripture says his heart was merry. Then Ruth acted as she should have, and did what she was instructed to do. She laid down where where Boaz lay then uncovered his feet. By doing so, she was putting herself under his protection and offering herself in marriage. What a symbol of humility, grace, and trust in the Lord. Next we see Ruth's submission. Boaz suddenly awakes and stirs a moment and then realizes he's being offered a marriage proposal. Who are you? Who is this woman? Ruth answers by using the words or word for female slave or servant. Spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative, putting herself in submission to Boaz in the present. Ruth was still not sure of the outcome, but Boaz responds by calling Ruth a woman of excellence, meaning that she is extremely valuable, extremely unique, and uses the word in Proverbs 31.10 to describe a wife of excellence. Boaz compared Ruth's kindnesses to him as being better than her kindnesses to Naomi by not going after younger men and their wealth. Ruth had not acted immorally or married outside of Elimelech and Naomi's family. Remember Ruth's vow to Naomi in Ruth 1.16-17. Said, Do not urge me to lead you or turn back from following me. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. Ruth was appealing to Boaz according to Levite law. Sometimes when you get those words, you try to think about it as Levitical law. It's not. It's a different ordinance. Um, her loving kindness, or hesed, or chesed, as we learned last week, I had never seen it spelled that way, uh, to Naomi and now to Boaz is remembered. Ruth now knows the answer as Boaz calms her feelings by letting Ruth know that he will be her kinsman. 
but there's a small problem. Evidently, Boaz had already checked and found out that someone was closer than he. This issue must be settled before he can be her kinsman redeemer. Ruth was told to stay the night, and this would be settled in the morning. Maybe Naomi and Ruth were not aware of this nearer relative. The closer relative isn't named, and it could be that it was Boaz's older brother or a, a cousin of Elimelech. Well, Ruth was probably disappointed that she didn't get her answer at that time. But Boaz said uh, to her, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. So he is invoking uh, the Lord's will in this. Ruth waited until just before daylight to leave the threshing floor so no one could recognize her. Ruth valued her virtue and her reputation and did not wish to cause any appearance of misconduct and wanted to remain safe. She could have been attacked or assaulted on her way home if she'd gone home in the middle of the night. Ruth could have been identified as a night walker or a prostitute. Both Boaz and Ruth did not want it known that a woman had spent the night on the threshing floor. Well, Boaz doesn't want Ruth to go home empty-handed and to show his intentions of leave right marriage. He measured six measures of barley and filled her cloak or apron with it. We don't know any significance of the six measures or not, but one commentary said that it was about five days of uh, sustenance for her. Well, Ruth then appointed the events of the evening to Naomi. After listening, Naomi told Ruth to wait because as Naomi had told her earlier, Boaz wanted this matter resolved quickly. Well, Martin Luther said, I've held many things in my hand and lost them all, but anything I've placed in God's hand, I have always possessed. So let's look at chapter 4 now. Now when Boaz went to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. So he said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took men, ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down, and when he... Then he said to the closer relative, Naomi has come back from the land of Moab and has to sell the piece of land which belonged to her bro our brother Elimelech. So I thought to inform you, saying, Buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. Then he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. The closest relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself, and you may have my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. 
Now this was the custom of former times in Israel according to the redemption and the exchange of land to confirm a matter. A man removed his sandal and gave it to another. And this was the manner of attestation in Israel. So the closest relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz says to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses today that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance so that the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. You are witnesses today. All the people who were in the court and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built up the house of Israel. And you, may you achieve the wealth of, of Ephraim and become famous in Bethlehem. Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, which Judah bore to which Tamar bore to Judah through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Ruth took, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today and may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a, sustainer of your, and a sustainer of your old age for your, for your daughter-in-law who, who loves you. And, is, and for your daughter-in-law who loves you is better than you than seven sons having, has given birth to him. Well, Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and became his nurse. The neighbor women gave him a name saying, a son has been born to and she called him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generation of Perez. To Perez was born Hezron, and Hezron was born Ram, and to Ram, Amenadab, and to Amenadab was born Nashon, and to Nashon, Salmon, and to Salmon was born Boaz, and to Boaz, Obed, and to Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse, Well, here we find Boaz in front of the gate of the city, sitting, and that's where all the transactions were done for the city, land, uh, other, other issues of justice. Well, the closer relative just happened to walk by. So Boaz knew that there were 10 uh, elders there, uh, so he presented the case of buying Naomi's land, which he said belonged to our brother Elimelech, for redemption by his near relative or Boaz. The near relative said he would redeem the land first. Then Boaz told him that Ruth, the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, came with the land. And then he said he could not redeem it. By doing so, he would endanger his own so to show that he would not redeem the land, he took off his sandal and he gave it to another. 
to signify that Boaz would be able to redeem the land owned by Elimelech, Mahlon, and Chilion. If you wish to know more about what all went on in a ceremony like this, you can go to Deuteronomy 25 and read 5 through 10. It will tell you all of that. And when a closer relative chose not to redeem or become a kinsman redeemer, uh, it was not it was not a pleasant sight for him. So if you want to investigate, look at it and see what happens. Then the elders blessed the transaction and blessed their marriage with the blessings that their house would be like the house of Perez, who was the main ancestor for those who lived in the Bethlehem area. The first son would be considered the son of Mylon, and sons born later would be considered Boaz's. So Ruth and Boaz marriage, married, and Ruth conceives. Then Obed is born. He is named Obed by the neighbor women, and his name means the servant of the Lord. Then a woman said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. May his name become great and famous in Israel. And Naomi took the child and became his nurse. Now, if you're a grandmother or a grand, great-grandmother, you understand the love that happens between grandsons and grandchildren and the, and the grandparents. With all the town saying, a son has been born to Naomi. Well, the lineage of our kinsman redeemer begins through Perez. To Perez was born Hezron. Hezron was born Ram. Amenadab was born Nashon, and to Nashon, Salmon, to Salmon was born Boaz, and to Boaz, Obed, and to Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse, David, and ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you'll notice that Perez is the first of the twins that were born to Judah uh, through Tamar with their union. Uh, and if you'll notice that uh, Salmon, was the husband of Rahab, the harlot. Now, she was, known, she was known through that all through the book. And so anyway, I guess there were several Rahabs, but that particular one was named Rahab, the harlot. Well, Boaz represents a picture or type of Jesus Christ as our kinsman redeemer. The Lord Jesus is pictured throughout this whole book through Boaz as a kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer had the duty of willingly buying back land that had been forfeited. Christ will buy back creation that was cursed and placed under Satan's authority. Boaz, as the kinsman redeemer to Ruth, acted out of love for her. Christ did so out of his eternal love for us. Boaz and Ruth, his bride, were foreshadowing the establishment of the church as the bride of Christ. You see that in Ephesians 5, 32, 33, where it says, For this reason, a man shall leave his, mother, his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking in reference to Christ and the church. It's also mentioned in Revelation 21, 9. Then one of the angels said, one of the angels who had the seven bowls full of the 
last plagues came and spoke to me saying, come up and I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Well, Boaz was to provide a glorious future for Ruth. Jesus as our redeemer provides a glorious destiny for us. For Christ to become our kinsman redeemer, it was necessary that our Lord Jesus condescend to become a man, not conceived by the Holy Spirit, by a human father, for he had to be without sin, but by the Holy Spirit, to live a perfectly obedient life, one that we could not live, then die a death that we could not, we should have died Isaiah 54, 4 through 8 describes the beautiful ministry of the Lord as our goel, our, our redeemer, our reclaimer. Do not fear, for you will not be disgraced, and you will not be put to shame. For your goel, kinsman redeemer, is the Holy One of Israel. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit. With everlasting kindness thou have mercy on you, says the Lord. Your goel, your kinsman redeemer. That's found in Isaiah 54, 5. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. Well, what are the great truths that we glean from the book of Ruth? First, providence takes the chance out of chance. There is no such thing as chance. The Lord is in control of all things. R.C. Spall again said, chance is a perfectly good word to describe mathematic possibility but it's only a word. The Lord is in control of all things. It is not an entity. Chance is nothing. It has no power because it has no being. Therefore, it, is a, it can exercise no influence over anything. Yet, we have sophisticated scientists declaring that the universe was created by chance. This is to say that nothing calls something, and there is no statement more anti-scientific Everything has a cause, and the ultimate cause that we have seen is the Lord God. Secondly, the book of Ruth reveals a powerful act of redempting providence by bringing a, a once pagan, Gentile, Moabite woman into an under the protective Mosaic covenant, making her a part of the lineage of the coming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, one might ask, why is that important? Well, if Ruth and Rahab had not been brought into the covenant of Israel, it opened the door for us. So the Lord used that. And if he had not done that, he would have used some other plan to bring us salvation. Uh, because salvation was first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Thirdly, the Lord is working behind the scenes in this book to bring about his redemptive purposes Genesis 3, 16, to the promise of the seed, capital S, to Revelation 22, and the coming reign of Christ and righteousness throughout eternity. Well, if there's anything you remember from this study of Ruth, it should be these three things. The Lord is actively working out his redemptive purposes now and has been doing so throughout the entire history I hope you appreciate Ruth. I hope you appreciate Ruth as much as I have. 
and that as we've gone through this, you've understood some of the workings of the Lord uh, in bringing about salvation to the people he called from eternity past. So let's pray. Father, thank you for revealing all of your ways in this book. Father, how you behind the scenes have made everything fit together. There's no happenstance. There's no chance. There's no luck. But you decreed it, and it happened. And Father, we thank you for this example of your providence. May we grow to understand it in a deeper way. And may you teach us the things that you are, the things you what you are like, and what you have done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray.